Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 432 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Ooh, I hope there's enough dead air to make that cut. Usually I like to give myself like five seconds. That came out of nowhere. What? <laughs> you had plenty of time. No, we were talking. We were talking. And then I was uh, in the middle of typing my little time code there, and you you shocked me. How's things going, Todd? I'm I'm doing great. I'm here as always, uh, ready ready to give it my sum like I do every no. week. Oh my goodness! <laughs> some some gave all. Todd gave some. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what do we got on the show this week, sir? Uh, we have uh, DC digital news. Um, also, once again, everything you knew about the history of Marvel is wrong. We'll discuss that. And also, DC might be trying to relaunch a historic title with a big name creator. Um, also, we have con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was the big uh, list of Conan the Barbarian. Um, what we're looking forward to this week, I think we have a Todd's Art Attack. And at the end, the final episode of Doctor Who, which will be the only episode in the year 2019, the New Year's Day special. So uh, I think I covered just about everything, Joe. Don't get my hopes up. You said the final episode of uh, Doctor Who. I was hoping maybe forever. No, just for 2019. Okay. So uh, just to get into, of course, what we're discussing here, uh, I want to start with the Marvel story, only because it will be a follow-up to a story that we did a few weeks ago, where Marvel was putting out all those teasers and everything of, like, what if this didn't happen, and then what if this didn't happen, and what if what if that didn't happen, right? Right. Who really found Captain America kind of stuff? Sure, sure, sure. And we speculated as to what, was, what it was all about, and then if you remember, as a long-time listeners of the show, um, you'll remember that we never came back to it. Mm-hmm. And then the reason for that was, is because it was just like, oh yeah, here's this like weird cosmic ghost rider miniseries written by Paul Shear that kind of sort of has nothing to do with what's going on with it. It's not an Elseworlds, but it kind of is, or... Maybe it's a future title, maybe it isn't, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, that's why we never followed up on it. But now, here we are again, and in the second time in as many months, you know, I don't want to say the first time this year, but as in many months, Marvel is pointing to, well, this year is the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics number one that introduced the Submariner of the Human Torch, and they're going to be doing some sort of thing later this fall, um... That in their press release says, stay tuned for an extra sized, uh, extra special, extra sized publication of a marvelous millennial milestone that promises to change the course of Marvel history forever. And of course, they jokingly say, or at least until our 160th anniversary. Right. So one, that's cute that they think that print media is going to be in existence for another 80 years. Two, fool me once, Todd. What? Fool me Two more times, well, then you're a fooling kind of guy or something, right? Isn't that the 
quote. Yeah, who's who's more foolish, the Marvel who fools you or the Marvel fan who gets fooled? Mm-hmm. I think the great Ben Kenobi said that. Right. So they have a piece out uh, that looks to be, you know, like here are like your invader type folks. Here's the thing in the middle of like your young heroes. Then you got like 90s stuff at the bottom, like 70s, 80s, 90s, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't see Marvel doing any real big shakeups anytime soon. I don't know. Or at they all. Brought the, they brought the FF back. That was the biggest shakeup of them all. Right. Well, and this week as this episode comes out is uh, fantastic week or something. Mm-hmm. Where the Fantastic Four is touching all corners of the Marvel Universe, even my precious Marvel Puzzle Quest. Ooh. They're putting uh, Namor for the first time, and they're putting God Doom in the game as well. Well, God Doom is probably... He, he just beat anything, right? Well, again, you know, the the people who kind of... Uh, hmm, how can I say this and tread lightly? Uh, the people who dig up that sort of information aren't too pleased with the way his powers look currently but it's one thing to read postulation it's another thing to read when they actually give the full press release and it's another thing in actually playing them i'll wait till the character comes out and make my decision from there and then it's another thing to read richards boom Mm -hmm. so i don't know but is the fantastic four coming like okay yes so the fantastic four is back in the fact that, like, they were still around, like, Ben was still around, and Johnny was still around, but they weren't, a, like, a team, and they didn't have a book. They, didn't, were pu- they weren't publishing an actual book for quite some time, right? Right, but honestly, Sue and Reed were gone for that whole time. I don't even know if they were, they were mentioned only, like, three times in all that time. Mm-hmm. So. But so when they still existed, it's just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know either. I just, I just, I just want them to do good stories, and I'm happy. Do you need to tease these big changes happening to get people interested in what you're doing, in lieu of actually writing a good story? See, I always think it's the it has. It's not the writers who have anything to do with this. It just seems like this is the the you know the the advertising people who I honestly do like because you see a lot of times writers and, and artists like you know complaining on Twitter or social media like I can't believe they they let that out or they did this. I, I just think if anything the writers and artists are saddled with these ideas they just show up it's like it's the 80th anniversary shake like shake everything to its core or at least we're going to tell everybody we're going to shake everything to the core and you, you have to write a story that lives up to the check that we wrote and i think that's you know that's 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 not fair to to the creators mm-hmm. but that's the way i look at the way these happen i don't think it has anything to do with uh, people looking and going, oh, occasionally maybe they'll have a big idea for an anniversary or something, but it just seems as like it's something we could we we can get legs on it. Maybe somebody out there in the media will latch onto this, all the way the death of Superman did on a on a slow news week. But uh, you know, and again, man, I think if it has to be something in conjunction with the movies, sadly, at this point. 
that post-Infinity War 2, they decide, like, hey, as of this movie, the movies in the comic books are going to line up 100%. And they're not. They're not. But that would be something that would shake things up. Uh, The only way I think that would shake things up is by losing a lot of your readers. Well... I don't know, like, if that would bring in new readers. I mean... But is this going to bring in new readers? This is going to buy people who come in and buy one issue. No, this is going to be the Marvel zombies who are going to... Who have to have this in their collection. Mm-hmm. Which are becoming smaller and smaller as time goes on. Right. And and we're going to kind of get into a little bit of this more with some of the DC stuff that we're going to talk about. But you need to not keep celebrating the past. You need to acknowledge the past and respect the past. But not use these like, hey man, these comics, these movies that you love, they're 80 years old. And we're going to put out a book commemorating that 80th thing. And we're going to do something in that book that's going to shake things up for the future. But we're not really going to shake things up. It's going to be the same old, same old. They well, really need to shake things up. Right. And this whole thing of like not... Uh, you know, going after like past readers, you should really talk to our retailer about his conspiracy theory as to why they, they brought back uh, the book we're going to talk about to this week, Conan the Barbarian. Well, I think he just breezingly says that like, it's about time that there's like manly men comic books. No, it's to bring back a lot of the readers that they lost when like everything got shook up with like different characters all at once. And, you know, like he says he lost a lot of readers to like to people who were like old timey fans who were like, ah, oh, all this new stuff. I don't understand it. And in the end, they brought in Conan to bring back some of those old like Marvel zombies. Like, I remember this book. This is something that it seems old. I can read it if that makes any sense. Allah bringing in Star Wars and bring and make getting it back to basics like it was when they had it years ago. But Star Wars is a completely different animal compared to Conan. But it's kind of like these are... The way Conan is, it's still going to be written by Jason Aaron, which is, you know, which is a good thing. So you can get new fans, but it's a, but it's a license that, you know, maybe you can, you can use as bait to bring back some of the old fans without, as you say, and they're not shaking, doing any fake shaking anything up. Right. That, that's what it is. They, they need to do something where it's not a fake shakeup. Right. You know, we've discussed this here, both, you know, on the show and also privately of, there was the time in the mid nineties where Marvel was kind of in the dregs and they were going to make all these big giant sweeping changes. And one of them being like, yeah, we're just going to change Spider-Man to some other guy. Mm-hmm. Well, and DC was it the same way in the mid nineties. It was, Hey, we changed Superman. I mean, a lot of this stuff worked, but it was like, Hey, let's change Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. You know what I mean? It, that was a weird time in comics of shaking things up. Some for really good, some for really bad. Most for really bad, actually. Right, and and that stuff kind of, you know, that stuff from the 90s on DC side stuck. But most of the stuff from the Marvel side of them shaking stuff up, like, it sticks, but it's not the same way that's permeated on the DC side of things, if that makes any sense. Yes, it sticks, but... Because it's made of icky substance. That's right. why. Like, people remember the Clone Saga and, like, the X books completely. Like, who's the third Summers Brothers? Right. Like, uh, just, like, it just, 
like there was no editorial direction. It was just like anything for, for sales and, you know, gimmicky covers and everything where at least I will say DC bringing in Kyle Rayner as much as that set people off the deep end, a la, you know, Octavius being Spider-Man now, like people were out to kill the writer and everything. A lot of those, like the Superman story was good. I never read it, but as bat, you know, they say was good or I've heard from certain people was good. The wonder woman, not so much. The flash was, a, was a, was a fake out. It turned out to be Wally the whole time. And, and green arrow was con like all that stuff was, was at least halfway decent. But like you said, a lot of the, the, the Marvel stuff was the shakeups were, were, we're just like one dimensional. Let's make if one is good, two of everything is better. Fantastic Force and Thunderstrike, and like you said, they just they just piled it on with like uh, weird covers and holograms and all that weird stuff. Right, but a lot of it was you know at least DC you know whether it was outwardly or not you know and the death of Superman was never meant to be permanent. Right. You know, I, I think like retailers or at least some people in the industry knew that it was going to be like six months uh, and then he was going to be back or the Batman thing. Like when they crippled Batman and replaced him, everyone knew that there was a sh- limited shelf like life on that. When they m- had Hal Jordan go mad and replaced mm-hmm. by Kyle Rayner, that stuck for like 12 years. And the same way over at Marvel, people don't realize it is. <laughs> Uh, Logan losing his, his adamantium. That, you know how long that was? Uh huh. That, and that shocks me more that, that, like, how long, I, cause, like, to me, it, it would feel like, oh, well, adamant, that'll be back in no time. And he had those bone claws forever, which, by the way, I go on record, bone claws greater than heat claws. I'm just gonna say that. But, yeah, so, like, a lot, like, you say, but, like, we remember a time when it was, like, the turnover, you didn't expect things to, to stay around, and Hal and the and the and the Bone Claws were were an anomaly compared now, to what it, what it usually is. Now I need I need to kind of put not put you in your place, but kind of just pull up this information. So it was the Fatal Attractions crossover in 1997, where Wolverine had the adamantium ripped out of him. And right. he had it out for two years. Now, I, I thought it was longer than that. I'm looking at it right here. It says, you know, 1997, Uncanny X-Men number 350, loses adamantium. Wolverine gets his adamantium back in 1999 in Wolverine issue 145. Really? Yes. I thought it was way longer I, than that. Again, I'm looking. Listen, Duck, Duck, Go, I, Duck, Duck, Go doesn't lie, Todd. Unless you're looking for certain things. But no, I... <laughs> Honestly, all right, my bad. I'll, I'll admit when I was wrong. That right. was my one for the year. I got it out of the way early. Now, if it makes you feel any better, it was a terrible story where somehow uh, Sabretooth had an adamantium skeleton and Wolverine did not. And then Apocalypse inter- intervened to give Wolverine his adamantium back. See, I remember the stories where Wolverine went up against the Sabretooth and he had the adamantium claws and he was like, this is why I always lost. And he like, he gave uh, Logan a whooping from what I remember. And I actually thought, see, I'm guessing I think it went on, on longer because I remember that era of Wolverine and what they were doing with him kind of fondly. Mm. And I guess, you know, rose colored glasses and all. Right. So I say Marvel, um, Make some sweeping changes and stick to them. 
Use Kyle Rayner being Green Lantern for 12 years as your <laughs> guidepost. At the next Marvel Summit, when they come in with some sort of edi- editorial mandate, some writer go in there with a the chutzpah of, like, I've got a 12-year plan. <laughs> Peter David. <laughs> right. Well, okay. I've got a 12-year plan to completely reshape the Marvel Universe. Oh, reshape the Marvel Universe. Right, and make people think it's like, oh, this is going to just like be an event that's going to last for a summer. Or, no, it's going to, oh, it's going to be a year. We're going to do like a one year later sort of thing. No, this is going to be the next, at least the next 12 years to make people think that this is forever. Because, as you just thought, you thought Wolverine had his adamantium gone for a much longer time than he actually did. Where, you know, obviously 12 years we look back at it, eh, not so much. The two years for Wolverine, it's the length of time plus the prominence of the character, I think. All right, well, let me ask you, was was the Ultimate Universe forever? Was that, the Ultimate Universe forever? Because that was, what, like 12, 15 years before it got shut down, right? Right, but it was kept separate for a very long time. Right. So it was more or less like, hey, you like Marvel, but you don't like all the baggage? Here it is. And then 12 years later, here's all the baggage. <laughs> right. Well, no. Well, actually, um, what was the, the storyline Ultimatum was, hey, uh, I think it was like, oh, when when did Ultimatum come out? Now you got me. It was five years ago, Joe. Everything was, was five years ago. No. typing on the show that's fantastic well i think it was extra quiet this night it was 10 years ago actually ultimatum was 10 years ago right see oh my god (laughs) so ultimatum was them killing off like 80 percent of the ultimate universe Mm -hmm. to streamline it because in the (laughs) seven years it had been in place at that point it had gotten out of control obviously Mm-hmm. So they had to kill off 85% of the Ultimate Universe to streamline it again and then wait another eight years or nine years or whatever it was to kill pretty much everyone off except for Miles Morales and Ultimate Reed Richards and then fold them into the actual Marvel Universe. Joe, that's what Marvel needs. The actual Marvel proper needs an ultimatum. There you go. Somebody should take that into the Marvel Summit and be like, I want to kill... 80% of the Marvel characters and just start from scratch there. Now, we don't and know. And we're going to do what that if, for 12 years. Right. What if Bendis's ultimate plan was, hey, I have this great idea. I have this care. I have a great idea for a new Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. We're not going to introduce him until 10 years into the storyline. <laughs> right. And we're going to create a new Reed Richards and turn him evil. Okay. How are you going to do it? All right. I got this 17-year plan. Hear me out. <laughs> Year one, cut to New York. And he right, just goes like panel, seventeen years panel by panel. You like you like Amazing Fantasy number one, right? Or yeah. Amazing Fantasy fifteen, right? Yeah, it was a half an issue. What if we stretched it out to six issues? I'm listening. <laughs> anyway, so again, Marvel's doing fine. They don't need us to to make these sort of things. But this is what this show is about: just kind of postulating about what can be done or should be done or we'd like to see done, right? So one of the other things that's going on is there's speculation that 
DC is going to be doing yet another reboot of the Legion of Superheroes, this time with Brian Michael Bendis at the helm. Woof. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis on his social media, Tumblr, Instagram, whatever it is, uh, posted a bunch of things that could be Legion related. No one knows for sure. Obviously, this is something that would get announced a little bit closer to a big convention coming up, right? Right. So, I'm sure Bendis had some sort of plan, and he is launching this week, starting, like, the youth corner of the DC Universe. Right. Where he has the Young Justice book, and then there's a bunch of other books that are coming out over the next several months. Uh, Janet and Zan, New Dial H for Hero, all that sort of thing. And that's all fine and good. And this was not my uh, original thought, and... This was what was discussed this past week on House to Astonish when they did their year-end review, and I, I forget how they came upon this. But if you look at the history of the Legion of Superheroes, and not them themselves. The publication? The publication of it, right? And we go back to, like, the 80s, and, and we look at the writers and the creators and the editors on this. For the most part, the writers and creators of this super-powered team of teenagers in the future are typically 50-year-old men and up. Except for Jim Shooter, who was like 15 writing Legion of Superhero stories. Okay, so there's your one exception in (laughs) the last 40 years. Which, that fact blew my mind when I was first informed of it, Mm -hmm. but go ahead. So I say... Let Bendis kind of be a creative guide for this. Like, back when he did Secret Warriors, and mm-hmm. his name was all over it, and he just kind of came out and said, like, no, I have really nothing to do with the book. It's all Hickman, but they're deciding to put my name on it because my name sells. And, hey, remember there was a time when Jonathan Hickman was just like, here's this guy that Bendis knows? Mm-hmm. Right. So, there's got to be a young creator out there. Marvel, or Marvel, excuse me, DC hasn't published an ongoing Legion of Superheroes comic book in eight years. And in those eight years, they've popped up one time. Eight years? Is that right? I'm, again, I was, I was doing some side, listen, I was doing work for this show. See, I thought, if you remember, there was the, the whole thing where, um, you know, the Legion came back. There was that, uh, the Lightning Saga with Justice League and Justice Society. Right. And w- we were being led to believe that it was something to do with the Legion, but it was really about them bringing back, uh, Barry Allen or Wally or, so- or like one of the Flashes or something like that. Then there was right. the crossover where the Legion was in Action Comics. And then there was Final Crisis, Legion of Three Worlds, and that was kind of like the the wrap-up of all the Jeff Johns Legion stuff. Plus the end of the Mark Wade Legion run. Right. So then, um, the Legion of Superheroes was part of the New 52. That's the last thing that I remember. And that was eight years ago? The last issue of it came out, and again, my apologies, the issue, it's, uh, uh, New 52 was eight years ago. Uh, that book only ran for two years. So it was actually six years ago since the last time they published a book that was entitled Legion of Superheroes or something of that nature. I knew it wasn't eight. I knew it was probably around six. Right. But again, between 2013 and now, they've appeared one other time. 
And where was the other time? Uh, in a Jeff Lemire Justice League United story. Right. And they popped up in both Batman characters anyway. Popped up in Batman. And Doomsday and, Clock. And Doomsday Clock. Yes. So there you go. But I mean, like, I don't mean just like a character here and a character there. I mean the full-fledged. Legion of Superheroes. Legion proper. of Superheroes. In name as a team doing stuff. Right? Right. So, again, it's been six years since the book has been published. Take a chance. Do some scouting. Send a Bendis. Send an editor. Send a someone out there. Find some young kid under 25 in the industry doing something. Go to conventions. Beat feet. You know, go search on your social medias of see who's doing, like, weird Legion fanfic. Because that's really all comic books are at this point. You know, the, the current creators were fans 20, 30 years ago, and they're just writing the stories that they wish they saw when they were kids, obviously with a little bit more of an editorial drive. But, like, don't wait for that kid to become, like, in their 30s or 40s before you give them Legion. Strike now. Take a chance. What do you have to lose? It's you know, not who- like the Legion is some sort of big multi-million dollar property. That if this comic tanks, we're sunk out of a blockbuster TV show, movie, and gum franchise or something. See, and I'm blocking on his name. Who, uh, Who's writing Venom right now? Donnie Cates. Donnie Cates is your Legion of Superhero writer. That's who too you old. Want. He's too old. He's, he's perfect. He's perfect because he's going to write. He, just take all his, his uh, Guardians of the Galaxy scripts that he has in the can ready to go. Poach him from Marvel and just slap Legion of Superheroes. I think it's You're too good late. To go. I think that book is coming out next week. Um, if you could pulp those somehow, <laughs> I don't know. But there's your there's your writer. But I, I'm, I'm just know. saying, take a chance on Legion. Bendis is a great writer. He's a name that's attached to it. But the problem is, you know, we discussed this before. You know, Bendis is going to bring in a certain amount of people. The Legion is going to bring in a certain amount of people. Time to start bringing in some new fans. New blood both on the creator side and new blood on the fan side. That's the problem. The Legion is a tough sell. We've got, we are so far from, and I use this not in the, like, the terms of comics, like, eras, but the golden age of the Legion of Superheroes. Like, I'm DC, I'm DC guy born and bred, like, from back in the day, and I never cared for the Legion. Um, our comic retailer is a huge Legion fan, but every time I read them, I was always like confused. Cause I got in when there was that weird Legion book where none of them were in costume and they were all using their real names, which is literally like, hi, I'm Tenzel Kim. And you're like, who's Tenzel? Let me get my who's who out and go through it. Oh, that's Matter Eater Lad. But they never called them Matter Eater Lad cause those names weren't cool. We have to use all their weird alien names. And since they're not in costumes, you have to, re- you have to remember names that aren't real and then people in just everyday clothes. It was so confusing, but now it's such a hard sell because there are even fewer true Legion fans left around reading comics. And when you bring it in, you better have, you better have a, not a good writer, a great writer to, you know, to have all these lads and lasses running around. Like I'm, not just, like this- I'm not just saying give it to the first 18 year old punk with a tumbler that you find. 
No, I know, but yeah. you need somebody with some some cred too. That's like a great writer, and I don't know if you're just gonna find like that on the street and bring them in. And here's your first job, Legion of Superheroes, take which a, is take which a is risk, a man. Sell. Take a risk. It is, but that's a tough book to write because the the sheer numbers. Like I, I I read a little bit of it in the Keith Giffen and I can't think of who was who was the writer at the time, but they had a, a brilliant where it was like all right there's like thirty members Paul Levitz mem- maybe Levitz it was Levitz five members doing their story and then you know three quarters of the way through the issue you'd get another four members or whatever and they would have their they would see something popping up and that was the prologue then you'd finish your story and their story the the group that was in the little prologue would have their story and it was a constant rotation it's not an easy shot where you have like a super group with seven people i don't know it's just it's something you have to have your chops to do this book I guess agree to disagree. Right, definitely. Agree to disagree. So one other way that they can reach out, and they being DC, uh, reaching out to more and more people is, just as we're recording this, they announced, DC, that in addition to their own streaming platform, their DC, what is it even called? Unlimited? DC Unlimited, where you could watch your... Uh, Titan show, you could watch the new Young Justice thing that's coming out this week. Uh, but also as part of that, you were able to get a bunch of comics as well. Not a full thing like the Marvel Unlimited, but it's a start, finally. Mm-hmm. Well, in addition to that, DC has been added to the Comixology uh, subscription service. Comixology uh, has a deal for like six bucks a month. You get uh, whatever that back catalog that they have existing is, and they have tons and tons of publishers uh, in that, but just as of today, DC has been added to that as no additional cost. Right. And obviously it's not the entire catalog of DC comic books, but it's the heavy hitters, man. Does it have Batman Year One? I'm looking at it right here. Of course it does. Then there you go. Has Batman Year One, has Dark Knight Returns, has tons of Batman, has the, uh, what am I looking at here with this? Being that I don't have a subscription, it's tough to see exactly uh, what's in there, but uh, Ultra Superman, the New 52 Animal Man, just has things that jump out at me, right? Uh, The not... Uh, you know, Dark Knight Returns, Long Halloween, uh, Harley Quinn stuff is in there. And then more so it's, uh, for me, if I was new to this, it's the Vertigo stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about heavy hitters, 100 Bullets, American Vampire, Astro City, that counts. Um, the Doom Patrol, Ex Machina, Fables, Hellblazer, Preacher, Sandman, Scalp, Sweet Tooth, Transmet, Watchmen, Last, uh, Why the Last Man. <laughs> just the, if it was just Vertigo on there, right. that's worth your six dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And then even conversely is because Comicsology is tied in with Amazon. If you have one of those Amazon reading deals, whether it be Kindle Unlimited, Prime Reading, whatever it is, these books are included in those as well. That's pretty sweet. You know what they should do for an ad campaign for that, Joe? Mm. Superboy 
Amazon Prime. Just a big <sighs> jerk telling you to use their product. Hey, are you reading my books? They're free. <laughs> yep. They're free over here. I'm the But, best Superboy ever. Right. And we had, you know, we had talked about this, I think, way, way back when Comixology first rolled this out. And it was going to be one of those deals like, what publisher is going to push first? Obviously, Marvel already had their infrastructure in place. But now that DC's there, it's literally one less thing for them to worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, they put their books up. And I think also as part of Comixology, if you subs if you do this Comixology Unlimited thing with the $6 a month, like whatever's in there, you know, read for free, like you don't keep it in your collection sort of thing. Uh, it's there for you to read, but if you were to purchase something digitally, you get a discount on it as well. Hmm. So the, DC being in there's a big deal, a huge deal. Tons of people contacted us about it today to let us know yes. that it was in there. Yes. And I appreciate you all for reaching out to us about that because it's a big deal. Um, if I had more time in my life, just for the sheer simplicity of it, I would do that. Just so, like, any time that I wanted to read... Sandman, I have it at my fingertips at $6 a month, you know? That's right. Crazy. So, that's the news. We do have some uh, convention stuff, not a huge amount. Uh, Ace Comic Con, the former Wizard World. Wizard World still exists. Ace kind of like is what took over for them. These are the ones that's, they call them a Comic Con, but they're more so of your celebrity meet and greets, that sort of thing. Uh, the big names that they have at this one, this one's in Arizona, by the way. Phoenix, Arizona, I think. Is it Phoenix? Is it, or is it Tuscan, Arizona? I don't know. That's how I pronounce Tucson. Glendale, not even close. Glendale, Arizona. Uh, so they got uh, Tom Hiddleston. Isn't he uh, low-key or something? Yes, he is. Michael Fassbender. He's a ton of different things. Mm -hmm. uh, David Tennant is going to be there. He's uh, the purple man. Yes, he is. Uh, Kristen Ritter is going to be there. She's the Jessica Jones. For now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I did get a call earlier today from the fancy gentleman asking to borrow the old Chikaris and copter so he could fly out there, uh, mm -hmm. to meet his precious Alexa Bliss. Oh, I hope she has both pink and blue hair when mm -hmm. he does. But in addition to Alexa Bliss being at this convention, the man is going to be there. Your son? No, he was the man. He was the man when he was a baby. There's a new the man. Okay. Becky Lynch. Oh, is that a thing? You not being caught up in the world of sports and entertainment. Becky Lynch is now the man. Good for her. Uh-huh. I agree. Some people would say that she's even Lady Stone Cold. But that's oh. kind of like six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Becky Lynch. Pretty cool. Go uh, If you're in the greater Glendale area, go check that out. Get your steampunk goggles signed. Ah, she don't do that no more. What? That's the old Becky. That's the old Becky? That's the not the man Becky? That's, that's the not the man Becky. That's right. Uh, no, more, no more puns. No more jokes. Oh, no more so, dancing. No more steampunking. So useless then. Now, listen, to you maybe, but that, you're not, you're not a uh, part of the uh, 
audience, the 80 billion people that allegedly watch World Wrestling Entertainment every week. I don't know. Oh, and I truly feel left out, Joe. <laughs> well, don't you be left out because all this information will be in the show notes, of course, <laughs> uh, along with links to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com. Anytime any of us or a little friends, partners, acquaintances, like-minded individuals put out a podcast... Uh, some people have direct access to the site over at soon-to-be-name-network.com, soon-to-be-name-network.tumblr.com, uh, or they appear on some other show. It'll go up there, whether it be this show, uh, Longbox Heroes, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, with the big reveal of the voting for what our 2019 monthly scheme is going to be over at After Dark, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, Podvocacy, and Wrestling on the Edge of Forever. I should know that because that's the Terry Funk thing forever. Apparently last week I messed up and said uh, wrestling on the edge of tomorrow. Well, tomorrow it'll be out. You can listen to it. That was going to be the lie I was going to think up of why I messed up. I figured I'd just own up and say I messed up. If that makes any sense. It does. You're you're a man of integrity. That's Yeah, let's not go crazy. (laughs) So anytime any of those shows come out, you can find them all at their individual sites or over at soon-to-be-named-network.com. Uh, some of the digital sales this week. There's a bunch. Uh, Fantagraphics is having a sale on a bunch of their stuff. Uh, DC is having a sale on Young Justice and Young Justice-related things. One, because of the launch of the new book. And two, because of the launch of the new show on their digital platform. And there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, sadly, no... Uh, Dark Knight Returns or no Batman Year <laughs> One, surprisingly. Uh, but some other oddball things are in there, and I say oddball in a good way. Uh, like Death of the Family, Batman and Son, uh, some of the Batman and Robin stuff when it was Dick Grayson as Batman and Damien as Robin, which we talked about here is uh, some underrated stuff. Uh, yes, I'm a fan is. of the Batgirl and Robin Year One stories. That came out uh, within the last couple years. Those are really good. There's Legion of Superhero stuff in there. Uh, Todd's favorite, the Super Sons stuff is in there. So good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. A lot of di- It's good to see some different stuff uh, pop up. You can kind of look at the history of the Legion and their publishing and this sale in and of itself. Uh, so that's DC. Marvel has a bunch of sales, one in conjunction with the aforementioned 80th anniversary. Uh, Age of Atlas, classic stuff, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Marvel sword and sorcery stuff, which, does it include Conan? Let me search, because, like, it's kind of like, they just, like, here's a guy holding a thing, right? And they're like, here's a guy holding a sword. Uh, looks like the cover of Weird World. But then... It's a lot of, like, weirdly tangential stuff, like, here's Angela stuff, and here's Excalibur stuff, and, ooh, hey, that Captain Britain legacy uh, and legend thing. Somebody was actually just asking me about that today, uh, and I was wondering why it was included, why it was on sale. This is why it's on sale. Um, but then there's, like, weird assorted stuff, like, here's a random trade of Thunderbolts, <laughs> and here's a trade of Skull the Slayer. Here's Volume 3, Gambit, King of Thieves. You know what I mean? It's just like, here's a bunch of weird stuff that f- falls under this 
sword and sorcery umbrella, right? You never know. There might be magical characters in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I will recommend that is part of the sale is the Captain Britain and the MI-13 book that came out a couple years ago. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good, very underrated stuff written by Paul Cornell. There's three trades there that you can get for three bucks each. So it is an entire run of a book for nine bucks. Crazy stuff. All really, really good. Um, really fun team. I think it ends up being a total of like 16 issues for nine bucks. Wow, that's pretty good. And you get to see Dr. Doom and Dracula have a meeting on the moon. In Dracula's secret castle on the moon. <laughs> there you go. Now, and the other thing I want to mention, of course, is that we talked a little bit earlier with the Fantastic Four week. It's listed in the verbiage as Marvel World's Greatest Week Sale. But when you click on the URL, it says Doctor Doom Sale. As it should. So that's what he I'm took over it. the sale. Right. It, he is the world's greatest. It is Doctor Doom. And as you just scratch the surface a little bit of the sale, it is all Doctor Doom stuff. It's like, here's an issue of Astonishing Tales where Doctor Doom fights Kazar. You know, it's a bunch of, like, wacky stuff like that. Ooh, you know what? As I'm looking through here, um, I I implore you, Todd, as a Doctor Doom fan, to kind of peruse this sale. Mm-hmm. Just to see some of the interesting stuff that pops up in here. Uh, there's an all-ages miniseries that was called Doctor Doom and the Masters of Evil that was kind of came out a couple years ago, underrated, because it was, like, under the all-ages sort of banner written by Paul right. Tobin. Uh, that's really, really good. Uh, there's, there's a Doom miniseries called Doom the Emperor Returns. Is that ringing a bell for you? Yes, it does. All right. I figured as much that it would. Uh, all your random Fantastic Four issues. The unsung and unheralded, uh, Ed Brubaker Books of Doom, uh, oh. miniseries. Oof, good mm-hmm. stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Hulk things, Iron Man things, more Iron Man things. Oh, those are 149, 150, 249, 250, the Camelot stories. Uh-huh. So good. First of all, I just want to say that the Astonishing Tales book, those were those books were half a Kazar uh, story, half a uh, Doom story. Oh, okay. So they weren't like in the same story, I don't think. Gotcha. Because gotcha. there's a few great stories there. And then there's a little uh, slice here of Peter David, Incredible Hulk. It's like 349 to 354, where it looks like it's Doom versus the Hulk. So, hey, check that out. And I just want to say those Iron Man issues, I think it was 249. It was written by Michelini, I think, with art by M.D. Bright. And I'll never forget, it's one of my favorite all-time Doom scenes. Doom goes to see Tony Stark. Tony Stark still had his secret identity at the end of the day. And he's like, he's talking to Tony, and he's like, he's looking at a painting, and he's like, oh, this is a nice Renoir. He goes, I, I, I used to have four Renoirs. I only have three. And Tony's like, well, why do you only have three Renoirs? He's like, because I burned one. He's like, you bur- why the why in God's name would you burn a Renoir? And Doom just turns, looks at Tony, and just goes, it displeased me. 
And he's like, I'm working with, I'm, I'm talking with a psychopath here. And I'm like, that's why I love Doom. He destroyed a priceless work of art because it wasn't up to Hoyle for him and it displeased him. So what do we do? We burn it. I could get down with Doom anytime. Right. And the Iron Man stuff they have here is issues 245 crawling over into 257. But that like also crossover into like acts of vengeancey stuff too. Right. So. Yeah, Doom stuff. I think Doom might be doing something in the upcoming Fantastic Four story. I don't know. Call it a hodge. I heard. I heard some whispers that he might be. He might be going a few rounds with somebody. Yeah, way to play those cards close to your vest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of those links, of course, will be in the show notes as mentioned. Uh, let's get into the book that we we read from this past week, uh, which was Conan the Barbarian number one. Uh, written by Jason Aaron with art by Mumad Asar. Mm-hmm. So this, essentially, uh, Jason Aaron kind of told us that this first run is going to be more or less reflections of different time periods of Conan. Right. With one arcing, like, story kind of a thing. Right, with a through line through all these stories, and it would seem as though it's going to be Conan's rivalry with this specific witch, and how this witch has haunted him and tormented him through most of his life. Right. So, I guess your thoughts on this, you know, Um, however you want to handle this. Uh, my thing is, I really, I really like this book. To me, this is is Conan. There's there's some there's some great like Conan quotes uh, where somebody's telling like he's in a an arena fighting for his for his life for money, and he pretty much handles the business. And somebody's just telling him like like that he didn't do well. He's like a se- a seasoned fighter would have won much quicker against such a lumbering foe with less of his blood upon the ground. And, and Conan just drinking with beautiful women rubbing his shoulders is like, bring me this seasoned fighter of yours. And by Crom, I'll show you all his blood there is to see. And I'm like right there in that line early on, I don't know, eight pages into the book, 10 pages into the book. I'm like, Jason Aaron has Crom or but Krom, has a Conan down. And basically, is other than drinking, Conan needs to be doing two things. That's betting and beheading. And he's done both of those in this book. So I'm 100% fine with this. It jumps into the future with King Conan, you know, you know, discussing maybe this, like, you know, might be some of his last adventures. It looks beautiful. It It's a Conan book. He... He, if, when he doesn't understand it, hit it with a sword. And I could, I could totally, I could totally get on with that. And Jason Aaron does a great job. Right. He's total id. It's a very beautiful book. I like the way that it's colored. It looks very good. Mm-hmm. And like here it is, like, you know, Conan fighting like these legion of monsters, zombies, skeletons, whatever it is. And you're getting the inner monologue of Conan facing creatures like this for the first time. And I thought that was really cool as well, where he's like, oh, the, the, the flesh is soft and jellied and held together by magic and maggots, uh, but their teeth and nails were petrified and as jagged as sea rocks, you know? Like, in that one panel, in those two, you know, in those two f- captions, you know, you feel exactly what Conan is up against. 
He, literally, Jason Aaron, you know, the artist and Jason Aaron are painting you a picture of what's going on. And he's, and as much as, as beautiful as the picture is, Jason Aaron's like laying the base for how like gory it actually is. And as a fan too of the old, like, uh, well, the old, I didn't read the Marvel ones, but the Dark Horse run, he even gives a nod to the, to the Kurt Busiek, I think it was the Kurt Busiek storyline, the Born on the, the Battlefield, uh, storyline, which was running through his, Conan run at Dark Horse where it'd be like, all right, here's the, here's the story of Conan literally being born. And then each, like every storyline, he'd do another single issue where it was Conan as a child until he left to go. And I'm like, so it's a nice nod to those old Conan stories that I read. It has new stuff. It has King Conan, like we said. Um, I don't know. If you're a Conan fan at all, read this book. If you're a Jason Aaron fan at all, uh, read this book. If you're like an action, like sword, sorcery kind of guy or, or person, read this book. I don't know. I I can't say enough about it. Right. It was, like I said, it was really good. Uh, they set up what this little story arc is going to be about and how it comes about. Uh, the Crimson Witch is attempting to re- uh, resurrect her master or whatever it is, right? Right, the ancient god or whoever. Right, and she's been trying to get all these warriors because it's their blood that when spilled will uh, resurrect him, but every warrior that she's come upon haven't been, and again, I don't want to say worthy enough because that's going to draw too many parallels to Conan, or Conan and Thor, but it's more so like um, the adventures that they lived and the lives that they led, right? Right, he's not enough a chutzpah in their blood compared to Conan. Right, and then Conan appears to be the one that'll do it, and then that's kind of where the story goes from there. Right. Uh, but yeah, again, Todd mentioned, it's a really good book, I enjoyed it immensely, but I was going into this book predisposed, having read very little Conan, knowing, you know, the what you would know about Conan through osmosis, just like through normal pop culture, but coming into this as a Jason Aaron fan. And I was pleas I was satisfied to the exact amount that I knew I was going to be on this book. Cool. Glad you enjoyed it. So again, there wasn't a ton of new stuff for us to get into from last week. So again, we do apologize for this segment being a little abbreviated, but let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 430, uh, 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get them in print, digitally, trades, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed. Of course, as always, Todd and I are attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out. I'm going to include that in the weekly posts. I know I attempted to do that before, and I've forgotten from time to time. This time I'm making a much more concerted effort, since there's another IHOP dinner on the line here, which is serious business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, looking, uh, you go first. Yes, go looking first. over your list mm-hmm. is the book you are looking forward to most, Criminal Number 1 by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. The book I am lo- most looking forward to coming out this week is, in fact, Criminal Number 1 uh, by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Now, I would have guessed the same book for you, but you didn't even know this book was coming out. So I'm in a quandary of how can you be excited about a book that you didn't even know was coming out? That is, it could be a quandary. Maybe it is the book, maybe it isn't. So I'm going to go with my gut and say, uh, calling an audible that Criminal is the book that you are also most looking forward to coming out this week. 
It is not the book I'm looking forward to most coming out. All right. Is it Young Justice? It is for yeah. Ginny Hex. Yes. Yeah, so that's where I was leaning to because I remember when we talked about the um, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips graphic novel that was like the criminal thing that wasn't pushed heavily as a criminal thing. And you had read that and you're like, oh, my God, this was great. And we talked about it then, and then I'm like, well, it's not on Todd's list. I go, does he know this book is coming out? Because that was the book I thought he was going to be picking. And then when I saw it wasn't on your list, I'm like, okay, it'll be Young Justice. And then you contact me, and you're like, oh, put Criminal on there. I'm like, there we go. There's our book. Mind games, Joe. Mind games. Well, you got your your one up. I I think that's going to be the end of it for you. That's it? That's Mm. it? Yeah. It's all I need if we to get to the end is one up. That's true. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the stuff that Todd and I have done in the past, whether it be past poll posts, past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 Smash Sensation Todd and Joe Have Issues, or even assorted episodes of At Odds with Wrestling, which gets its own separate plug from the rest of the network plugs. Because it's too new of a show and I forget to mention it there. Uh, also, while you're over there, of course, you can purchase things through our store, uh, whether it be shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on them. And if you do not uh, want those or already have those, of course, you could purchase anything else to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. doesn't cost you anything extra. We get a little bit of a kickback from Amazon. They call it an advertising fee. I call it something that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of that Amazon money. Yes, it does. Some of the notable uh, purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week is someone purchased the Patriot Season 1 and 2 soundtrack on Amazon. Now, I don't know what this is. It's a soundtrack for a TV show or something? I don't know. Uh, somebody also purchased the Jif Bricks, that's J-F-B-R-I-X, onion holder. <laughs> Claims it could be also used as a tomato cutter as well. I keep my onions on my belt like oh, it was, you know, the style at the time. That's right. I don't want to go down that road because we'll just quote the entire episode. <laughs> uh, another great description, and I have to read the entire description, Todd. Um, if you could decipher what was actually purchased. Okay. I'm not stuttering, and I'm reading the description exactly as is, okay? Two to ten-year-old girl gift... Wiki LED Halloween nightlight lamp ra- relaxing for kids moon star toy for two to ten year old girl gift for two to ten year old girl gift toys age two to ten years old <laughs> birthday Christmas pink. Nice. <laughs> That's the entire description of this item, Todd. Two it's- to ten year old girl is in there one, two, three, four times. So is, is that a 8 to 40 year old? Oh my goodness. <laughs> when you do that math, it's, it's great for kids from 8 to God only knows. <laughs> right. Uh someone also purchased a Molly men's velvet loafer smoking slippers in quilted and studded designs and Enzo Romeo men's vintage plain velvet dress loafers. Now, I would assume that this was Shoozy who purchased these, but mm-hmm. I know that he just spent all of his money on his young buck Chuck Taylor. Oh. 
So okay. it was probably someone else who purchased those items. Mm. Now these 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 uh, Enzo slippers. Can you teach these, or you can't teach that? They are the realest slippers in the room. <laughs> okay. Bada boom. <laughs> so, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. From Jesse DeYoung, who's the complete at the completest on Twitter. We were discussing all the Spider Ham and just a lot of animal characters last week, and uh, in a great segment on the show, by the way, a classic as far as I'm concerned. Did you listen um, back to it and laugh? I did. I did. Third time, I did. Um, it was asked uh, what the Punisher would be in the Spider-Ham universe, and he may already be established, but Jesse said, if not, I give you the Pumisher, and I am down with that. And he drew a little, you know, Puma in a Punisher costume with some guns and a grenade on his belt, like, because that's the style at the time. And I, I, I just thought that's what Pumisher, I could get down with that name, and uh, it's a beautiful little piece. So and I thought that was cool. The, the thing I like the most about the Pumisher here is his eyes. Uh, he's got a lot of mascara on? Yeah, he's got very, um, I don't want to say threatening, but he's got very commanding eyes. Well, your Pumisher has to show you with his eyes that he means business. Right. And so. I, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, another uh, great listener of the show, Dwayne uh, at Dualscar replied asking if the Pumisher's shoot name was Frank Katzel. Which is a great name for uh, the Pumisher. <laughs> and I'm mad at myself as we ended up up, coming up with the, uh, the spiral cone ham last mm-hmm. week. How I didn't say he was the Borbarian afterwards really oh. upsets me. I, I hope you suitably and sufficiently punish yourself over this. Uh, my I puma shirt myself. Yes. Okay. Ah, oh, fantastic stuff. So that wraps that up. Of course, uh, no other art attacks this week. I was going to include our good friend DJ's uh, pages that he got this week, but he didn't tag you in it. So you know. That's right. If he don't want to tag me, then I don't want his Hellboy pages in my feed, if you will. Mm-hmm. I was gonna go in there and tag them and. Uh, uh, quote tweet at uh, Todd's Art Attack, but now nah, I'm not going to do that. Don't do that. Nope. So, uh, closing out the show here, last but not least, uh, TV Talk. And this will be, uh, when do our shows come back? In a couple weeks? I think three weeks stuff comes back? I think The Flash literally comes back next week. Hmm. So then, like, we wouldn't be talking about it next week, obviously. Right. But we would be talking about the week after. Uh, and I don't know when Legend, when Puppets of Tomorrow comes back. So. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's see. I'll look up Legends. You take Flash. Well, I'm looking up them both. What? Mm-hmm. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. I know Flash or Legends doesn't come back for quite some time. Okay. Uh, Flash returns. It's just the 15th. The 15th. And then, uh, you know, we'll talk about it the following week. Anyway, uh, the TV show uh, that we're going to be discussing this week is something called Doctor Who Resolution. Mm-hmm. Which, as Todd mentioned at the top of the show, is the last episode of Doctor Who ever. Yes, forever. They got my letter. <laughs> 
So, uh, you're the Doctor Who guy. Go ahead. Tell me what's, what's going on with Doctor Who. So basically, uh, back in, I forget what century, there was a giant battle, a creature was, you know, from space came and all of mankind united to, uh, fight it and they defeated it and they basically split it up into three parts and we're going to take it to three distant corners of the world, um, to keep it separate. Uh, they Two people did was like one took it to like this tropical island. Another one took it to Siberia. And the third one was riding to wherever they were going and got killed by some muggers uh, who uh, checked the guy's pockets, but never checked the thing in the wrapped uh, package, which I thought was amusing. So he was left to, to rot there in Shetfield, the town where um, the doctor's companions are from. Cut to the future. Archaeologist finds uh, the bones. They think it might be uh, a famous uh, British royalty or something. I forget who they said it might be. Um, so they're 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 checking it out. It's in these catacombs. Um, the thing that was in the in the parcel that he was protecting gets out, ends up attaching itself to one of the uh, archaeologists. While this is going on. Uh, the doctor gets a, uh, a message in the TARDIS that some, something's happening on Earth. So she flies back, by the way, wearing a scarf that has stripes the wrong way, which was totally throwing me off for, for a little bit there. Um, and they were celebrating because it was New Year's on, you know, at our time. They were celebrating New Year's all around the galaxy and they had done like 20 of them or whatever. But now they, they come back to ours and they find out that it's this creature. She does, she takes a sample of it, uh, of, of this trail that it leaves. And she ends up finding out that it's the Daleks, the worst creature in the universe, her mortal enemy. Um, and from there, they have to hunt it down while this creature is, uh, controlling this female's body, which, by the way, was my favorite part of the episode because they use the CGI uh Dalek which you before they had used like puppets and 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 stuff like that so i i thought this looked cool and i thought it was very creepy the way it was she was fighting it and it had all its like tentacles into her and so it ends up building a earth made like lesser form uh Dalek casing so it could take over the earth while this is going on Ryan's father who has been mentioned all through the season shows up to try and get closer to Ryan who's mad at him for leaving all those years ago he's got a microwave slash toaster oven that's the best in the world I don't I don't understand that cut to the end they use this said toaster oven to defeat the Dalek everybody's happy greatest episode ever what did you think Jim? okay uh, I'm sure going into this, you knew that the villain was going to be the Dalek, right? I they kept it a good secret, honestly, for the for the whole time. And then the week before it came out, there was commercials because the commercial was the was basically something's happening on New Year's Day, Doctor Who resolution, and then she's like, in like in the episode where she says it, she's like, there's this creature, it's the most deadly cr creature in the in all of the universe. And it's here in Shetfield, and somebody asks, well, does this creature have a name? And she goes to say it, they cut. That was the commercial for, two, like, two months. Then the final week, 
was, does this creature have a name? And you just hear, like, the screen goes black. It says Doctor Who, and you just hear, exterminate. And we're like, all right, it's the Daleks. But even saying that, when they said it was the most deadly creature, they've established for 50 years the most deadly creature in the Doctor Universe is the Daleks. So I really didn't see them putting somebody over the Daleks, if that makes any sense. Like they're so, going to bring someone new in and give them the rub? Right, I didn't see it. So, in essence, I always thought it was, and then it was uh, shilled off to me in the commercial. But it wasn't spoiled for me, because in no way did I not expect it to be the Daleks, if that makes any sense. So, the, the reason I ask is because I have not watched nearly as much Doctor Who as you or anyone else. Right. Uh, and I wasn't, like, going out, like, oh, I can't wait to see what this episode's about. It's like, yeah, I know it's on. I gotta watch it. Right. That sort of thing. And I will say, they did a very good job of putting over the importance of the Daleks and how deadly they are and how big of a deal they are in the Doctor Who universe. And I think they, by doing so, it gave all of the other stories a short shrift. You know, you have your B-plot of Ryan's dad coming back. Right. And I think that didn't... And again, we're, we're you know, we're here, we're talking about the episode, it's a week plus old, spoilers and everything here, where they do the gimmick where the Dalek, which, uh, from some other Doctor Who that I must have watched somewhere, and I know we had discussed it, there was the episode where, remind me, like, the Dalek was sick or something... And I thought the Daleks were just those stupid phone boxy looking things, different phone boxes from the doctors or the washing machine things, the blower guns. <laughs> yeah, the blower guns. Right. I They're didn't in... know there was a thing inside of them, right? Right. Yes, there's a creature inside okay. them. And we knew, or, or I didn't know this, and then we watched some other Doctor Who for some other thing on the show, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you would kind of give me the explanation, the history of the Daleks, and all that sort of jazz from there. Right, I could do it again. No, no, please don't. <laughs> okay. Um, and when this creature showed up, I'm like, what is this creature? And they're not showing what it is. And then when he kind of, like, attached himself onto that girl, and then she start, he starts talking to her and for her and through her, and then they start distorting the voice yet. They still haven't said the word Dalek yet, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not until he gives her the task of to go online and look up all the weapon stuff and everything else like that so he could try to find his Dalek-type weapons on Earth. Mm -hmm. So outside of some dodgy special effects on the squid thing that is the actual Dalek, uh, I thought that was really good. Uh, the part where she, the girl, a little bit later on, when they're like in a warehouse or something, is fighting back, and she's clumsily throwing herself into some convenient... Uh, empty boxes and some clangy <laughs> poles. Right. Like she I was wonder where I'm... As she was backstage at the taping of World <laughs> Wrestling Entertainment. Right, all she needed was some metal garbage cans. Right. Uh, other than that, I think they did a fantastic job of putting over, like I said, the threat, the danger, uh, all the stuff of the Dalek, uh, how deadly the Dalek could be, like when he gets his, like how you or, you know, normal people would associate what the Dalek looks like. And then he's battling all of those army folks. Mm -hmm. And instead of just being like, oh, exterminate, exterminate, a couple blasts here and there, and then that's it. They have like a prolonged scene of it, the, Do the Dalek doing tactics mm -hmm. to defeat these people. Like they shoot something at him and then he strategically shoots something else to deflect that. And I'm like, that was, like, that was really cool, I thought, instead of just showing it as like, 
I don't want to say a mindless killing machine, but showing it as a thinking killing machine, if that makes sense. Right, and you haven't seen much. They have done that before. Right, so for me, someone who doesn't know, that's why I'm saying I think this is a really good episode of Doctor Who for someone to watch who has not watched any or much Doctor Who. Because they do a very good job of putting over, like I said, the Dalek, the relationship with the Doctor and the Dalek, all that sort of jazz. But by doing so, I didn't care about Ryan's dad showing up. And then when they do the whole thing where the, the Dalek jumps from the woman to Ryan's dad, and it's like, oh my god, what are you going to do? And of course the doctor's like, well, it's your dad, you know, granted you guys don't have the best relationship, but it's you, who's not my companion, but my friend, and I will essentially do anything to save your dad. I'm like, okay, that was more so putting over the importance of the doctor's relationship with these people, as opposed to Ryan's relationship with his dad. Right, and there's some of the stuff that I just want to point out that I like was... I like that when the father shows up and everybody's like, oh, it's Ryan's dad. And the doctor's just like, you're terrible to my friend. I just want you to know that. And just like walks off. And I'm like, she's very blunt. And I, and I kind of like that, she, that she'll stand. She's not going to, she's not going to take any guff from anybody. Like you hurt my friend. I'm going to tell you. And I like the fact that when the time comes, I was, wor- I was very worried because they, you know, not that I care that they made, you know, the doctor female, I was, I'm like, it's science fiction. We can do anything, but I was worried because that she doesn't call the people companions. She calls them friends and her fam short for family. I'm great. That's her persona. But I was worried that they were maybe going to soften her up a little too much and be like, she was going to be the one doctor who was going to be like, maybe I could get through to the Daleks. Maybe the Daleks aren't all bad maybe there's a chance something just you know and there's basically that moment where she's like she turns on the hologram she's like the only reason i'm turning on this hologram is so you can see my face so you can see how serious i am that i'm gonna wipe you off the face of this planet because i hate you and i hate your race you've done nothing but murder throughout the galaxy and i was like boom she's the doctor that's my moment there's a moment like and it was it was sad that I had to wait the whole season, but I got it. That's her being like, Ugh, like I hate you. I and that's the only time she's ever allowed the doctor is ever allowed to hate is this this one creature that has been that made it its whole life to get rid of emotion and wipe everything out in the galaxy. There really is no redeeming qualities to a Dalek. So I, I'm fine with it. And I and that's it. I was just like, yes, she's my she's the the doctor now. If I don't know if that makes any sense, like I need that moment to like drive it home. And that was the one I could go through like all the, the current, the modern doctors. And there's, I'm not going to, cause it'll bore the heck out of you, Thank but you. there's, there, there's many moments where the doctor says or does something where I'm like, that's it. That's his, that's her up to this point. That's their moment. And this is her moment for me now. Right. And even if you did watch this entire season, like I did, and you mentioned how they were like, oh, she's a woman, they're going to make her softer, where there was a whole bunch of times where she's like, I'm not going to kill. And, and that's I could the- see you, and I say you, Todd, or you, a longtime Doctor Who fan, who would be like, oh, this is going to be the thing if, like, if she does encounter one of her past big, big bads, because we've established through the course of the season that she's like, I'm not going to kill, then maybe she's not going to kill when faced with one of these things. And obviously the fact that, like, no... Again, continuing to put over the importance of the threat 
of how big of a deal the Daleks are that, like, even through this entire season, where uh, Tim Shaw, she's like, as bad as he is, we are not going to kill him. And he did bad things, horrible things. But she's like, right. no, we can't. That's not our way. Right. But even then, like, the other doctors have been that way. They don't kill. But she does something where in that first episode with Tim Shaw, you go all the way to the back, back that he had implanted things on her and the, the companions that it was like, if I press this button, it will, it will melt you all down. And she ends up uh, messing with the device. And you may not remember it, but I do where she ends up messing with it. And he's like, well, you know what? I'm going to kill all your companions. And she press He presses the button and she goes, I didn't kill you. I gave you the choice. By pushing that button, it refluxes back. If you had been compassionate, uh, you would be okay. And that's when he gets sent through time and he's in the final episode hooked up to that machine because she should have died. But she always – the doctor always finds a way if, if the person dies. It's like it's because of your hand. I will never shoot you in the face. But if you choose, then maybe – Something bad will happen if that makes it. It's like weird ways around, like workarounds for them. But I never thought that this doctor was any different than the other ones that they don't kill. They or a last, a super last resort for killing, if that makes any sense. So, but I liked it I'm, outside of the uh, Amazon episode thing. Kablamazon. Kablamazon. I thought this was the best episode of the season. I did too. I think by far and away, this is the best episode scene. I think it, you know, it gives old fans what they want. They were up, people were upset that it didn't have a lot of like the, the feel of what a Doctor Who episode was. And I think this one had the most, uh, with a little too much character development with the father and all that stuff. Like you really didn't need it in a Dalek episode. Right. Like your big baddie. Like this is the moment you've been waiting for. This Doctor's first meeting with the dogs. You don't need parents and, and relationships involved just war with the Daleks and it would have been good right but I get why they did it is to give the companions as it were something to do to set mm-hmm. up for that last scene where you know the Dalek attached themselves to the new dad but still none of that meant a hill of beans to me because it was all about the importance of the relationship of the doctor and the Daleks I agree I think that closure with the father should have been in the last episode and then just do your Dalek special that's or my... even you want to do the closure with the father and then have the father still lingering around. I think he'll be around whenever they do come back. But just like I said, I just think that whole moment where it because it just ends very suddenly. And he's like, yeah, I want to go off on my own. I, I can't travel in space and time with you people. Goodbye. And it's the end of the episode. So I don't know. I think you could have done that in the last episode and then have their moment after that. He leaves and then happy new year, everybody. We're traipsing around the galaxy. Dalek shows up. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, see you in a year and a half. <laughs> Again, I thought you said it was the last episode ever. You lied. I did lie. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not like you, a man of integrity. I'm a man of outtegrity. These things don't work sometimes. These, I'm telling you, I talked with somebody, there's one person who's going to listen to this and laugh, and I'm happy with that. All those in-jokes that you do, mm-hmm. that I don't get, and they're not for me, these are for somebody. Don't you worry. All right. Sure like, sure like <laughs> to not meet that person. 
You talk to him every week, I think. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got to stop talking to people. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, I think that's it. I don't I think, think we have much it. else to cover or discuss or anything else like that. No, average show this week. Like. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Thanks, uh, everyone, for listening to episode 432 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs> <laughs>